when I was an associate pastor, I went to a, uh, you know, kind of a, an outing with my senior pastor, a good friend of mine and, and colleague, Pastor Glenn, you know Brian. And so um, we're, we're there, we're kind of hanging out, and it, it's kind of like a, an event where, you know, people have got their drinks and they got their snacks and, and everyone's standing around and, you know, we're meeting people and I'm standing there with, with Brian and his wife. He's my senior pastor. I'm the associate. And we're starting to mingle and start to meet different people. And, and surely, you know, someone comes up and in the conversation, you know, after you introduce yourself and, and say your name or whatever, they always ask the question, what do you do? You ever notice that comes up pretty quick in conversations with people? What do you do? And Brian says, I'm a pastor. And the people did this. They, 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 they're like, oh, isn't that interesting? And they, they hid their, their beverage for fear that the pastor would judge them for their beverage. And they quickly, they quickly wanted to move off of Brian to his wonderful, wonderful wife, Sandra, and said, oh, well, what do you do? She says, I'm a nutritionist. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, Brian and Sandra, they just can't make any friends this way, can they? They quickly turned to me and they said, what do you do? I said, I'm an architect. <laughs> I went full George Costanza on them with that one. I, you know, I'm an architect. It's funny how, you know, we are often defined by what we do. But God loves you for you. God is more concerned about your whoing than your doing. God loves you for who you are today. And as much as we could just go home after that, this psalm is going to help us understand this. Let me talk about it real quick. This is a psalm of love, of intimacy, of vulnerability, that when David is encouraging the people through his words, he, he's saying that God searches us. Say, you've searched me and you know me. When I go here, when I go there, if I go all the way to the wings of the dawn, if I go up, I go down. And in some ways, that is a wonderful, comforting thought that God knows us and has searched us and, and loves us completely it can also be a little bit scary because there's a vulnerability there in that love. Even, you know, because we approach God so much in the way that we look at one another. As much as we don't want to do that, we can't look at the infinite through our finite lenses sometimes. There is a mystery there about God's unconditional love for us when we live in a world where love is so conditional by what you will do. And so we live in this mystery of, of how God doesn't have a dark side, that even the darkness is as light to God because we see people that even the people that we love, we see that sometimes there's a darkness. At times we are both light and dark. We are mixed sometimes with the gray. We see in our human relationships that tension, the conditions, the temporal versus just the eternal and the unconditional love of God. David is trying to help us see the way that God loves us it's not just a, oh, you know, you're, you're cool and I love you. It's, there's everything, even our dark sides. The fullness of who we are, God knows, God has searched, and yet still loves. Because we are his. If you look at the story of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, you can see the first chapter right, is the genealogy. The second chapter, we've talked about Herod and the wise guys. And the third chapter is going to talk about Jesus' 
baptism. Do you remember this story where Jesus goes into the water and the spirit descends just like a dove and then there's this voice, the voice of God that says, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. I just want to remind you again, if you look at the gospel of Matthew, what is it that Jesus has done up to this point? Nothing. He's done nothing. Now, we're going to learn about all the miracles that he's going to do, the powerful teaching that he's going to speak, you know, about all of the God things that he's going to do. He's going to walk on the water. He's going to feed the 5,000. He's going to do all these great things. God loves him in that moment, not for the things that he's done, but for who he is. He's the son. That's enough. Is that enough for you? Is that enough for you today to understand that you, as a child of God, as a son, as a daughter, as a child of God, are loved because you are his? You're his. And this section of the psalm, which is really fascinating, again, it's a psalm of love. It's a psalm of intimacy, of vulnerability. You know, did you notice that part when he, you know, got a little emo and he switched and he's like, you know, God, he's talking about God's love and the beautiful poetry and the mystery of all these language. And then he's like, I hate people. <laughs> you know, God, when are you going to get rid of those enemies of mine? You know, and, you know, I love this, like, I hate them so much, you'd be proud of how much I hate them. You know, don't I hate them with the best hatred there ever was? And you're like, easy, buddy, calm down with this. Here's what I think is happening in the midst of this psalm of love, of intimacy, of vulnerability, when he's like, I hate people. So have you been there sometimes? You know, like, I love God, but sometimes people get on my nerves. Have you ever been there? I'm the only one, I think. So, okay, so here he is. And most scholars would say that David is, is writing this at a period of time, and there's several, by the way, of which he's being either misrepresented falsely or he's just going through some stuff. So it could have been when he is on the run from this guy named King Saul. It could have been with all the different politics that was happening while he was the king. It could have been the fact that his, even, you know, his own son tried to overthrow his own kingdom. He's had some stuff in his life. He's had enemies before in his life. And I love the psalm for this reason because it captures all of our human experiences. Even in the midst of naming God's unconditional love, David looks around and sees that people don't love in the same way. And I think what this teaches us is that God's love explores, but it doesn't exploit. God's love is a God, uh, or it's a love of exploration, but not exploitation. That God knows us, God has searched us in all of the beautiful ways that he, he named in that psalm. In Moses being, before there was a word, you know, all of that beautiful language of the intimacy and vulnerability, yet... We see in our human relationships that as people explore or get to know us, they've used those things for their own advantages. They've exploited our intimacy. They've exploited our moments of vulnerability. In relationships, people have hurt one another. And I think this is what is happening. He's naming God's love. And he's looking around at how people treat one another. And then he's, he's frustrated by that. And he wants God to do something. He wants God to, to understand that these people that have taken that same honesty and vulnerability have used it against him. Because that is the deepest part of who we are at our core is the desire to be known, to share, 
to, to be known. I mean, you, you see it sometimes even in some unhealthy ways. You ever see someone at like the grocery store and you say like, hey, how you doing? And you expect for the, you know, hey, how you doing back? And they're like, I want to tell you all about my life. I'm just going to lay it all out there. And you're like, easy friend, just trying to get my groceries. But you see, sometimes people just want to be known. They want to share their lives. And what we need to remember, what the psalm is going to teach us is that the intimacy and the vulnerability and the fact that God has searched us and that God knows us is something that you can rest and trust in. He doesn't have a dark side. He will explore, but he will not exploit all of the things, all of who you are that God knows. I think there's something powerful that God knows our true self, that God has explored the real us, yet will never use those things against us. And the end of the psalm is a beautiful invitation, where again, at the beginning, it started at the beginning, you have searched me, and you know me. Now think about the end where he says, search me. He's basically saying, do it again. You know, he, he's gotten his stuff out. He's gotten his frustration out. You know, God, I'm just really angry about this stuff, and I hate my enemies. And then, you know, if, if the psalm ended there, that would have been, like, really weird. But I love this ending, just these couple verses at the end where he says, God, do it again. Search me. Test my heart. See, look at my anxious thoughts, but lead me in the way of everlasting. This is how... We are called to love one another. Yes, to know, to explore, but not to exploit. Not to use that which people have shared in the intimacy and the vulnerability or in the depth of love of relationships, not just between spouses, but within families, within friends, within community. The love that we share as we love our neighbor as ourself should look like, should start to move towards the love of God that is given to us. And we're on that journey, friends, aren't we? We've been hurt in the past in some of the relationships between one another, and sometimes that affects the way that we view how God loves us. I just want to remind you, God's love would explore yet never exploit. So he knows, he has searched, and God loves you right now for who you are. Not just that moment when you were doing everything right. Not about that time when you felt like really close to God and things were, you know, firing on all cylinders with your relationship with God. No, this moment right now, God loves you for who you are, regardless of where you might be in understanding that love. There is a depth of love and mercy for you right now because God loves you, because God cares more about your whoing, who you are. You are his child then the way that we would view it is, God, am I doing enough for you? Am I doing it right? Am I praying these things right? Am I doing the, I'm not doing it. Look, ease up on that, friends. Right now. Even if you feel like, I don't know, I feel really worthy of God's love right now. Right now, God loves you. I just want to close with a beautiful song in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians is a letter to a church and in the midst of this letter, and he, he's talking about all these sort of, you know, things that the church should be doing, he inserts a song. It's a poem. It's a song. He actually does it in the book of Philippians as well. But I wonder if Paul, like, minored in, in musical theater. 
because he's like, in the midst of this letter, he's like, I must sing, you know, and this is what he does. It's called 1 Corinthians 13. Now, in the first 12 chapters, he's going to talk about some stuff. And at the end of the 12th chapter, he says, let me show you a still more excellent way. And that's as if the Apostle Paul takes a mirror and he says, here's what it is, friends. So he goes on to say, if I speak with tongues of angels and all this stuff, but don't have love, by the way, he talks about that in the first 12 chapters. But if I don't have love with it, ooh, what's it sound like? Yeah, you can read it. Clanging cymbal, resounding gong, no fun. If I have the gift of prophecy, can fathom mysteries and knowledge and faith that can move mountains, which he talks about in the first 12 chapters. But if I don't have love, I am nothing. Oh, okay, and then he says, if I, if I give everything that I have away, if I just do this thing, you know, if I give all that I possess away, and, and even my body, which he talks about in the first 12 chapters. But if you don't have love, you're going to gain nothing. Now, here comes the part that maybe you're more familiar with, because you probably heard it, read at weddings, or had it read at your weddings. This thing called love is patient. It's probably better translated as being love is one who is patient. See, that's, that's harder, isn't it, for us? Instead of just saying love is like this, the actual language is saying love is known as people do it. Love is one who is patient. How are we, how are we doing on that sometimes? Parents, you know, right? Been there, done that. When I, I can lose my patience really fast. Love is one who is kind. Love is one who does not envy or does not boast. It is not right. Look at all these things. And here's just something real practical that I want to leave us with, with this understanding about how we might love as God loves us. Because, right, we have conditions sometimes, and we are finite. We are not infinite. So this is one of the most powerful things. Any of you list makers? You got your to-do lists? And that's not necessarily the list I'm talking about. Any of us list makers of all the things that this person has done wrong for us or to us, check out what it says right here. Love keeps no record of wrongs. So if you've got that list, you've got that filing cabinet, you've got that person that has done one, two, three, ABC, here's what I need you to do. I need you to take that list, you need to throw it away. Why? Love keeps no record of wrongs. As much as we're tempted, next time that person does something to you and you want to write this down and you want to remember this because you want to bring it back and hold it over their heads for the next time, love keeps no record of wrongs. So yes, we should be patient and kind and not envy or boast or not dishonor others. We should not self-seek or you know, get angered easily. But this is just something really practical. You got your pen in your hand. You got the paper on the desk. Put it away, friends. Love keeps no record of wrongs. But they did this to me. I know. But don't make the list. If you got the list, throw it away. That's love. Because when we make our lists, we've taken the exploration and turned it into exploitation. And God's love explores yet it never exploits. Let's pray. Lord, you have searched us and you know us.
come and fill our hearts with your very presence, with your peace, with your love. We are loved by you. We are yours. You call us your own. And I pray, Lord, that that might be enough for us, that that might be the reminder of what we need, that it would simply just be enough, that we are yours and that you love us. Thank you for the way that your love will get to the deepest place of our need, yet also the deepest place of who we are. So then we are genuinely loved, not loved with our false self, but in our true selves. No secrets, no darkness. There is just love. So as we love one another, Lord, help us to love in that same way that we in our relationships would not only explore, but to not exploit, help us to be genuine, to be vulnerable, to be intimate, yet also to trust. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.